and welcome to the Logan and Jake Take Podcast. This is episode 56, and the date is, is today the 20th? 30th. That means that uh, in betwixt episodes, we celebrated our two-year anniversary on the podcast. We did indeed. Yes, round of applause for us. Yep, that's right. I'm sure everyone out there in uh, radio and TV land is applauding as well. Thank you for your love and support. (laughs) (laughs) No, but seriously, uh, even though we have not done quite as many episodes this past year as we did in year one, I think we produce some quality entertainment for the people. And uh, we, we thank everyone around the world and around the United States who is still hanging in there with us. We see you in the analytics. Uh, <laughs> and uh, thank you for your support. Uh, as we start off this very explosive, wonderful um, episode, Logan. Um, just be glad I didn't start the show the way I wanted to, okay? I because I wanted to be like, I'm just Ken, and where else I'd be too. I mean, that's a phenomenal song. Uh, it, that song goes harder than it should, and that will be the closing number. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, Logan, I just want you to know as we start, you are Kenuff. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> um, How was no. your week? Jesus. <laughs> It it was a it it's been a rough it's been a rough week back at work in the pre-planning period. It's my first time that I've ever had to do pre-planning. A I lot guess, of meetings, eh? Technically, no, no. Oh, that's good. No, that's, that's had, really good. We had a meeting. I don't remember. It was either Monday or Tuesday. Then we had training on Wednesday. It was district-wide, which was a nightmare. Uh, And then there were no more meetings because open house was Thursday, and the meeting on Friday got canceled. But I'm sure we've got a a meeting on Monday. So Um, I I don't know if, if you felt the same bit of relief that I did. Actually, no matter how excited I am to see my students from last year again. Uh, I'm really glad that we get Monday as one additional buffer day. Mm. I still got stuff to do in my room. Like, oh, my room is done. I, uh, thanks to my lovely wife, um, I did indeed get a lot of it done. Uh, she helped me redesign the look of the room a little bit, and there's still stuff coming from Amazon to help decorate it some over the next week or two. But, um, I didn't get a chance to sit down and really look at my um, lesson planning and stuff. Mm. There were a lot of meetings. And the thing is, is I actually got sort of, well, I wasn't actually told. Uh, So what happened was I was looking at my incoming students and I realized that I was teaching a class which I have never taught before, which was an art class. Uh, so when I went to inquire about it, they explained that something like 52% of the school signed up for art class, and that was not sustainable for one teacher. So they uh, were like, so we, we're going to give you that class. And so, of course, there was some negotiation there um, in which I was able to explain the various reasons in which that probably wasn't. It's like, just because I do theater you know, doesn't mean I understand art. Um, and so, it, you know, I, I work for very reasonable people, very good people. Um, 
and they were basically like, okay, well, we there's like only so much we can do, but we will go back to the drawing board and look at what we can do for you to make this easier. And then they came back the next day, and you will be surprised. Uh, may, well, may, no, not surprised because I told you this, but you will be pleasantly, um, ple pleasantly pleased. You'll be pleased to learn that uh, I am actually now teaching filmmaking uh, instead of art, which is Makes more sense. slightly more in the wheelhouse. So, um, so I. I'm glad that you're teaching something that you actually care about and could probably actually teach the children because neither one of them. If somebody put me like, we need you to teach this art class, I'd be like, I can show you persistence of memories, which is what I like to call the melty clock painting by Salvador Dali. I only know that because Kelly told me what it was and she got on to me when I called it melty clocks. <laughs> I'd be like, I, I can't teach art. But... I don't understand why. How, what percentage did you say signed up for art? Um, it would have had to have been about 50 to 52% of the school. You just disappoint children and tell them that they can't all be in art. Like, I don't... Like, instead of being like, we're just going to make an extra art class. Like, no, you just go, sorry. The ones that signed up for art first get it. Everybody else, you're going to get what's left over. I will, bad. I'll keep all personal opinions on the matter to myself out of respect for the contract I signed with my district. Fair enough. You signed that contract. I didn't. I can say these things. No, exactly. You you are free to say whatever it is I and probably I'm not coming, I'm not coming may down or may not have them. also been thinking. I'm not coming down on them. I'm just like, there, there are easier ways to do it right. than being like, double art classes. Like, yeah. Do That'd you, be like if 80% of a school was like, we want to take calculus, and they just had to start pulling teachers from all over the school to be like, we I'm, need y'all to teach calculus. I'd be like, what kind of pre-Georgia Tech pipeline school is this? <laughs> uh, you hear of art school, that would be like straight STEM school. I'd be like, I'm going to um, just give y'all this contract back and I'm going to leave. Cause well, I just thought it was nope. funny that it was art because... If you'll recall, there was that time early on in our friendship, one of the defining moments of our friendship, where I just looked at you sort of out of pocket and was like, I don't, I don't get, get art. And, and I you looked were like, and I was like, thank you. <laughs> I've been thinking this my entire life. I don't understand it. I can appreciate it. I can go, that looks very nice. Honestly, I, I really like like medieval classic art. I like stuff like that. But it, it doesn't make me feel anything. I just look at it and go, the person that did that was really talented. Whereas I can listen to music and it makes me feel a certain type of way. I can watch a movie or a TV show or a play and it makes me feel something. I can read a book and it makes me feel something. Art, I'm just like, I don't... It looks nice. I don't know what you want from me, though. And I feel is that, like, is that is that the whole thing? Do you just look at it? Be, do you like it because it looks nice? I, I think it makes some. It evokes emotion in some people. But I think, like, my wife, who does love art, explained it to me like this. And I may be butchering her words. But basically, she was like, kind of the point is um, when you look at something, um, it can mean something personal to you or not so for some people art means something personal to them uh 
I can't count myself among them most of the time. Uh, unless we're talking about a visual art, like a movie, like a you know, film or play. In that case, I still sometimes have trouble with those arts because the great uh, Christopher Nolan movie Tenet is an example of art I don't get. Not a good um, movie. I don't get, I don't get that at all. It's ponderous. And, uh, um, you, me, and Aaron need to all watch it separately, and when we get him back on the podcast... We can figure out if we understood I, what the meaning behind it was. I think it would be cool to get us all in the same room. Because do you and, know how complex and convoluted your movie has to be for me to not understand time travel? Well, if I would say, I would say that between you and I, there is more depth of comprehension of storytelling and filmmaking and the the mechanics therein than most people ever come close to scratching the surface of. And that includes the people who are paid to review these movies. I'm just saying, you, and you can, I, you can I could put, not tell you what happened in that you movie. Can, you can say time pincer maneuver all you want to. But it's stupid, and it doesn't make any sense. Because even if... You have one per one one group going normally in time, and then you've got another group going backwards in time, and they meet up in the middle to do their timey wimey bullshit. It it's nonsensical. It like it literally all to stop Kenneth Branagh from unleashing a nuclear weapon that the future version of him told him about. Presumably to destroy the past, which... Because he had cancer, and he was like, if I can't live, nobody can live. Also, why is it more dangerous for a bullet to go in you when you're going backwards in time than it would be... Like, it's a bullet. It's gonna... It's gonna hurt, no matter what. And where it hits you, it could kill you. Yeah. And they're like, but the entropy of the bullet. I'm like... You're just using big words that you think makes this make sense. Inception makes more sense than this. And Inception, as much as I love that movie, is ridiculous. Because well, it's like, we've got dreams within dreams within dreams. And the time works differently depending on what level of the dream you're in. And there's three normal levels. But if you go to the fourth level, you're in limbo. And you age to become an old man. And then old Leonardo DiCaprio meets old Ken Watanabe. And they look at each other and Ken Watanabe is like, no, it's Leonardo DiCaprio. He's like, come back with me. To when we were younger men or something. In a like, stunning, what? stunning moment of uh, of art imitating life because that is what you were saying to your friend who's seated next to you that you haven't seen in 30 years it took to watch that movie. Why? <laughs> <laughs> like, like, come, let us go outside into the sun and be young men together again oh. and discuss this movie. No. All that to say, um, I love Christopher Nolan. Though. Yeah. Great filmmaker. Yeah, love Christopher Nolan, which you'll hear all about here in a little while with Oppenheimer. But... Um, no, Tenet, me, you, and Aaron should definitely get together, watch that, and then see if three heads are better than one. We're going to, at the end of it, we're going to be that always sunny in Philadelphia meme with Charlie Day who's scratching his head with all the strings on the board because we're going to look <laughs> at each other and go like, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I wish 
that I could meet Christopher Nolan for a variety of reasons, but one of them would be, could you please explain Tenet right. to me? It, it, before that movie, it would have been, can we talk about Batman and Inception? Now, I'd be like, I don't care about Batman or Inception. I need you to explain the time mechanics of your movie. Because they don't, they don't make sense. I would, I would also ask him in Interstellar, like, I fully comprehend what happened on screen. So my question would not be what happened on screen. My question would be, was Cooper right in his deduction that it was future humans who built the Tesseract, or was it actually aliens? Because there's a subreddit that I follow that talks about that, and there's a fierce debate in the fandom. Which I'm sure that Nolan loves to hear that there's a few, you know, a debate. I legit always thought it was just future humans. Uh, I I never I never cared. To, I love that movie so much that I never cared to dissect it the way that I dissect certain movies. Like, you know, I love Inception, but I did spend some some maybe two to three days thinking about the spinny top at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but with, I, which of course I, I do think Inception. Even though it doesn't ultimately matter, I do think Inception was real. I, I do think he was awake. Terrible ending if he's not. Um, but no, with 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 Interstellar, like I always just assumed it was future humans because Coop is the one when he goes through the wormhole or whatever mm-hmm. who interacts with the past. Yeah. So if he can do it, why wouldn't future humans just be able to be like, well, this is how and, you fix the corn shortage. Well, and we don't know. You know, because he had Tars send the data from the uh, singularity in the black hole back, which is what allowed them to save everybody, which is dope. But I can only imagine if you gave humans, if you solved, like, the physics from inside a black hole, that may open up endless possibilities for our future science. So it could have been that moment right there of him doing that in the Tesseract is what caused the Tesseract to be able to be built later in the distant future anyway. So that was kind of what I took away from it at the time. But I would like to ask Nolan the question. James Cameron Terminator time travel because it always happened. Um, But, yeah, so uh, I love how our conversation, the fact that our conversation veered from me having to possibly teach an art class into the intricacies of uh, Tenet and Interstellar, that's kind of the reason why we started this podcast to begin with. Because nobody else has conversations quite like that. Truthfully, the the jump from one topic to the next makes absolutely no sense, but it's what we do. And traditionally, nobody can keep up with it. Very true. Uh, You remember that time our friend uh, Megan told our other friend, um, Rhonda, like, we just kind of... Like, I just kind of sit there and just watch it go, and uh, I'm entertained, even though I don't usually know what's happening. We would have been the more interesting people in Big Bang Theory. Yes. Like, because that show started out great. The longer it went on, it was it was a terrible TV show. <laughs> they wouldn't have called it Big Bang Theory if it was us. They would, like, I'm fat, you're black. They'd have called it the Big Black Theory. <laughs> And I've been like racist. <laughs> racist. Body shamers. <laughs> uh, anyway, so. Um, Shout out to Megan and Rhonda if you're listening. Indeed. I, and I hope they're both listening. I, I would imagine Megan probably is. I'm pretty sure she's a couple. Um, like, what are we on, episode 56? Yeah. Pretty sure she's listened to up to like episode 12. 
So this is a hello from the future, which will find you in your present, which is our past. Science. <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> um, so, so, so um, I... Let's see, what else happened? This I don't know if anything else really... Oh, the... Uh, the Walking Dead... Um, Okay, so Comic-Con happened, right? San Diego Comic-Con happened. And because the most of the boring version of Comic-Con well, that could ever possibly what's, happen. What's interesting about it, and I saw a lot of people talking about it, is the this year, because of the writer, the writer strike, the Screen Actors Guild, which I almost called the Film Actors Guild. Um, and, God, not again. Uh, and uh, the, you know, the, the WGA... Um, are still on strike and will be probably, you know, for, and I, my money's until September, October sometime. Pay them their money. Because, uh, you know, everybody that's not like an A-lister in Hollywood's out here receiving residual checks of zero dollars and zero cents for their work, um, no movie studios were bringing actors, directors to promote big things at San Diego Comic-Con. So what was... And I agree with you. This was, in in effect, one of the more boring Comic-Cons ever. It was going to be that but, way regardless, though, because um, months before the strike, Disney, Warner Brothers, and one other company was like, we're not, com- uh, we're not coming. Right. And, and I think what had happened there is, prior to the strike, most companies had exhausted the resources of the stuff that they had in development during and slightly after the pandemic. And so now they're playing catch-up. There was always going to be an off year or two because of the pandemic uh, that occurred after the fact because so many people did make things in the pandemic and they're just now getting to get released. But what ended up happening at Comic-Con was it sort of went back to being a like comic book convention for this one year. And, I mean, certainly that's cool, but it's a totally different type of vibe than what it has been the last, what, 25 yeah. years? Everyone that knows me knows I love comic books. I have an unhealthy obsession with comic books to the point where when I have excess amounts of money, I spend large portions of it buying back issues of things. and then As you told re- me, millions upon millions, if not billions of dollars spent I on comics. I never said millions <laughs> upon millions, nay billions. But you did, because you warned me back in the day. We were in, this, is a true, this is a true story, and there's actually evidence of it because I quoted him on Facebook when he said it. Damn. Uh, <laughs> because I knew one day he would try to deny uh, no, oh. I was in college, and I started, um, uh, I think around the time the New 52 started, um, I was like, you know what, this would be a good, it's a, it's a reboot, so it's a good chance for me to jump in and read these new iterations of these characters, and uh, Logan started accompanying me to the comic book sh- store, and we get off work, we go over there, and he was basically telling me, like, okay, like these are these are cool these are great these are like take them leave them do you really want them do you really not or do you want like just read what happens in them and he was trying to help me make sound financial decisions because you know i'm going in there every paycheck spending at least 60 bucks on comics 
And <laughs> rookie numbers, you got to get them numbers up, big dog. They were rookie numbers, <laughs> but remember, at the time we were making about two hundred bucks a paycheck, and we got paid every two weeks. So, uh, stop me. I was a maverick. Uh, so Logan tells me he 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 said and he said it like I, like I know he was exaggerating for effect, but it was hilarious because he looked at me and he was like, "You have to be careful, bro, because I have spent." Billions upon no 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 he said millions upon millions if not billions on comics and over the years there had been moments where he was like he would re- reprise this and be like I have spent millions upon millions upon billions upon quite possibly trillions on whatever it is we're talking about that he spent money on um, look you got to spend money. To be in the game, I thought you were going to say you got to spend money to make money. You do have to spend. That is how the industry works. Sam, look, I've spent all this money on comic books so that the day would come. Even when I was but a teenager, I knew one day I would be talking to strangers on the internet about pop culture and comic books, and I need the knowledge to back it up. And look at us now—it's finally paid off. (laughs) <laughs> a moment like but no, this. Um, it, is, it is a very expensive hobby. It really is. Because there was one time, it was, I think this was even after I had told you to be wary and whatnot. It was me, Travis, and another friend, a former friend of ours who we shan't name. But we went to go buy comic books because anybody who's... Uh, been in college and you got that sweet sweet financial aid refund money you know as a not smart early 20 year old you ball out because it's what you do financial aid refund day was always more exciting than tax return day you're not wrong and it usually always coincided the week right the week of dragon con so I yeah. was like, <laughs> you played yourself but no so we went and i want to say that year i got back maybe like 15 16 hundred um and we were like, let's go to the comic book shop after we get done working in the shop on Saturday. We worked in the shop. We drove from Barnesville to McDonough. Shout out to Bungie's, who's now back in Griffin, celebrating, I want to say, his 30th anniversary or so. That's a good dude. He is a good dude. And, um, and in some ways, he living the dream there. He went to school with my aunt. Uh, but we got there, and Travis and he who shan't be named, they spent... An appropriate thirty, forty-five dollars on some comic books. I was like, I know who I am, and my mama didn't raise no bitch. <laughs> I dropped. Let me see if I can. I dropped roughly three hundred and fifty dollars on comic books that day. <laughs> <laughs> And I regret nothing. <laughs> People ask me how my movie collection got so vast <laughs> by doing stuff like that once a week. <laughs> so, uh, because, like, so Travis and I lived together for a while, and then Hunter was with us also. But then because the neighborhood we were in was garbage, uh, we all went our separate ways and moved back. I currently don't have enough space where I'm living to house all of my stuff. I went, so I've got a storage unit. I went to my storage unit the other day. About three totes worth, actually three or four, are just full of comic books. Just just shit tons of comic books. Comics, graphic novels, manga. 
I looked through one of them and I was just like, good lord, I still haven't read most of these. And they've been in storage for at least four years at this point. Is your storage where mine is? Yes. Did you get the missive in the mail that said they're about to go up on the rates this starting this month by like 90 bucks? God damn it! <laughs> God fucking damn it! <laughs> this episode is brought to you oh! by Logan's Rage. <laughs> it's already 263 bucks a month. Mine is mine is going to be 285 starting on the 15th. Bro, I'm about to Bite everybody. <laughs> nah, I'm going to have to call them and be like, look, y'all can't be doing this. Is this that price gouging? Facts. <laughs> I've been a loyal customer for all the, y'all. Y'all got y'all playing games. Like, I see, mm, mm, <laughs> mm. Oh, this will be a memorable moment we talk about years from now. Pardon me while I quickly log in to see how much. Is it going up in August or is it the month after August? August. Oh, said effective August 15th or something like that. Yeah, so um, while Logan sort of deals with that hammer I brought down, um, I um, the thing for me about San Diego Comic-Con this year that I found interesting is for the first time in forever, at least I would say eight to ten years, The Walking Dead was one of the, like, named IPs that sort of had the press attention all to itself because nobody else was there. So, um, The Walking Dead announced an official title for the Rick and Michonne spinoff series that's premiering next year. It is no longer going to be called The Walking Dead Summit, which was the working title. It is going to be called The Walking Dead The Ones Who Live, which, of course, is a reference to Rick proclaiming that, you know, we're the ones who live. Um, Are we, though? John Locke himself, Terry O'Quinn, is the villain of that series. I'm very much looking forward to that. We got a little teaser for it, including maybe three seconds of new Rick Grimes footage. Um, uh, so, I, ju- I just paid my storage bill right now. Um, so, it's, okay, it's, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's only going from two sixty three to two eighty two fifty. Ours went from one ninety six to two eighty six, and I don't appreciate it. I'm sorry for you. I'm sorry. I that that's terrible. Um, but I've seen what Satan's doing in your life, and I don't want that for me. Right <laughs> now, good lord. Um, and. We also got a trailer for Daryl Dixon, the Daryl spinoff. Um, and I have to say, that was the spinoff I was least interested in. But I'll be honest, the trailer was pretty good. And a good trailer coupled with the fact that season one of The Walking Dead, Dead City, featuring Maggie and Negan, just wrapped up. And it wrapped up really well. It was actually six good episodes and it, and it, it ended well um i'll be honest with you i'm they have they also announced yes we ended that on a cliffhanger and guess what we are committed to giving you season two of it we did not give you a cliffhanger that we're going to renege on we uh we are going to give you a season two 
Guess what? When you'll be getting it, only God knows, because we can't start writing any of it right now. <laughs> uh, I, I got to be honest. I didn't expect for Dead City to be that good. It's really good. And I did not expect uh, there would be that it would be bold enough to end on a cliffhanger. And that the actors would all agree to at least do six more episodes right. a year from now or whatever. So, um, if you're still a fan of the Walking Dead universe like I am, and, and, and I know to some extent Logan is, we certainly were both massive fans back when it was all good. Um, if you're still fans, this is all interesting news. Just at this point in the life of the Walking Dead universe, we should just be grateful that it seems like they're trying to make the content It's closer decent. to good Walking Dead than bad. Right, Walking and that's Dead. what we should all be thankful for because it seems like they're trying, um, which I can't say for much of the back half of the original series. Um, so, yeah. Also, from San Diego Comic-Con, we learned that um, DC is going to be doing two um, fairly interesting uh, animated adaptations. Um they were now I don't remember what they are it's Crisis on, on Infinite, Infinite Earth yes, yes. and I don't remember what the other one is uh, it was oh it's The Watchmen The Watchmen Watchmen yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and in so much as that could have been a sneaky middle finger to Zack Snyder I'm still excited um, pretty sure it's not um, I, uh, I'm excited about both of those. I uh, really enjoy Watchmen, um, both graphic novel and uh, movie and HBO Max series. And, um, of course, Crisis on, Crisis on Infinite Earths. Um, I'm still hoping to see that live action one day, but the DC animated stuff is pretty much always on point. So I mean, you got it in live action on the CW. Yes, kind of. I mean, you know. Kind of. You yeah. have Superman. There were moments. It had moments. Was, that I were mean, grand. It was better than the last. It was better five than DC movies. Better than whatever the Flash movie was. What's that? Precisely. Exactly. Although oh, uh, <laughs> there, there is some bad news that's come out of well, more bad news that's come out of Hollywood uh, due to the ongoing writers and actor strike. Uh, the final installment of the Spider Verse franchise has been delayed indefinitely. Which is terrible, even though it already got pushed back. Because they were ballsy and they were like, it's going to come out next year. And I'm like, you haven't even started animating that movie. And it took you five years to animate the first one. That's real impressive. You, you just basically admit that you're going to have these people in slave labor. No. So then they pushed it back a year and now it's pushed back indefinitely. Uh, and then a movie that no one, and I mean absolutely no one cares about, got delayed also and that will be Craven the Hunter starring Quicksilver not gonna lie to you it's probably gonna be as bad if not worse than Morbius yeah it's probably gonna which be which was even, terrible it's gonna be, it's gonna be rough I saw Morbius twice mm. it was never morbid time never although with this one I'm positive uh, the fans are gonna troll Sony so hard that they're gonna think that they need to re-release Craven because everyone is going to be going. It's Craven time, or I'm craving for Craven. And I'm not going to lie to you when that starts. No. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to because it'll be funny. Because all of us basically 
tricked Sony into wasting money by re-releasing a movie that none of us were going to go watch. That was very funny when Sony re-released the movie. Like because we, they genuinely thought people liked that movie. They didn't realize that we were trolling. No. And then the, nobody went to see it when they re-released it. And and honestly, that's the only kind of bullying I tolerate. Let's <laughs> bully the movie studios. To an extent. Okay, let, let's... Ju- ju- Keep, keep it civil. DC's about to continue to be bullied because Blue Beetle's probably going to do worse than The Flash. I think Blue Beetle is actually going to do well because it actually looks good, unlike The Flash. I'm going to watch it. Also, my I boy Zack no Snyder said that he was going to watch it, so I'm going to need everybody that loves the Snyderverse to go watch that movie. I... I, I I don't think it's just going to be Snyderverse people that don't watch it, though. I think people are so, like, this is what I'm worried about. And this is not me being negative towards James Gunn. What I'm legitimately worried about, like I said on the last episode, is you're going to get David Cornsweet and Rachel Brosnahan all, like, hyped up, thinking they're about to really make that big money. And DC is just so – not DC, but, like, Warner Brothers – DC is just so tarnished as a brand right now that James Gunn can't save it in time. Like, I hope I'm wrong about that because it would have long-term repercussions that's not good for anybody. But it's not out of the realm of possibility that all these movies just flop. Um, I think the, the saving, the potential saving grace is as bad as some of these previous movies have been, all it takes is one undeniably good movie for everyone to then flock back yeah. and be like, oh, yeah, we love this. Well, because, let's be honest, even though it made a lot of money, Age of Ultron's not a good movie. Not at all. And most people admit that. But then, what was the Marvel movie that came out after Age of Ultron? Was it Ant-Man? It was one of them. Whatever the next one was, though, was, like, really good. And everybody was like, no, no, we, we back. We back. Yeah, I mean, I think Blue Beetle... This is what I personally think. I think Blue Beetle is going to be good, but flop. And I think Aquaman is going to be a mess and flop. Um, oh, they, they also uh, relocated the Karate Kid movie from June 7th. 2024 to December 13th. 20. Yeah, I'm not watching that because isn't that the one that's going to have Jackie Chan coming back? Yeah, not watching that. It it has Jackie Chan. It does not have Jaden Smith. Don't care. Not watching. The plot it. is that Jackie. Well, I knew the plot because I read the plot. The plot was that Jackie <laughs> Chan. They were planning to connect it to Cobra Kai somehow, though. So I was like, eh, probably going to watch that. Yeah, but it's stupid because he doesn't use karate. Um, he uses kung fu. That's true. It's not the same thing. I mean, that's just more opportunity for there to be meta references. I don't need meta references. I need y'all to make good Karate Kid movies. Because the last good one, even though I like the next Karate Kid, was the Karate Kid 3. I liked the uh, Jaden Smith movie. Um, no. I think that the time for a sequel to it has long since passed. But you know what? The time for a sequel to Avatar has long since passed, and that became the third highest grossing movie of all time. So what do I know? The, my problem with that movie was... Excuse one, me, that is the largest spider I've ever seen. Vamp, well, like, where do you see a spider? Right now. It's 
I mean, fine, just just leave it. Because I don't get paid to be an exterminator for this building. Bro, that is tarantula size. I mean, look, that's their problem. Uh, but no, so one, and people can say that this is nitpicky, but I don't think it is because the literal name of the franchise is The Karate Kid. You are not the karate kid when you are using kung fu. Now, I know in other places in the world it's called the kung fu kid. They actually... I would like it more if it was called the kung fu Disney kid. Disney tried... Like, it, okay, not Disney, because uh, Disney, like... There were two companies that made that movie. The one company that made it wanted to call it the kung fu kid in America because they wanted people to differentiate and say... This is in, this is a cousin of the Karate Kid franchise, but it is a retelling of that story, but it's using kung fu. That's great. That's great. And then Disney was like, "Nope, not doing it. We're calling it the Karate Kid." It is what it is. Oh well, that's in the past. My other problem in that movie, I don't care what people say. Jaden Smith isn't a good actor. No, nah, he was he abysmal. Was, he, was, uh, he was rough. He was terrible. Taraji P. Hansen is too good for that movie. The bully was situation was she stupid. was particularly rough in that movie. And she she, she does she needs she deserves better. The only good part about that movie is Jackie Chan. Chan yeah. But and I don't like that character enough to watch a movie about him taking on like well, the karate underworld. I, I like the Jackie Chan, Mr. Han character. I will watch this movie, but I feel like Mr. Han was supposed to be significantly older than Jackie Chan actually yes. was, which would mean Mr. Han should be decrepit as balls now. And if he's not, you know, like 100 years old, I'm going to be like... And, and this is my other thing. As, as much as I like Mr. Han, he's... Discount Kmart Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, I remember the... Uh, the coolest thing Han did Jacket on and jacket that's off. The, that's the coolest part about that movie. <laughs> because I'm sorry, Jaden Smith mirror dancing a cobra on a mountaintop is stupid. They spent a lot of money on that movie, and it did not, um, if I remember correctly, it did not make significantly more than they spent on it. And I swear for God, I swear, if y'all try to peddle me another Justin Bieber song for this movie, I'm fighting everybody. I'm going to fight them all with jujitsu, and then they'll be like, this black man was beating up on people with karate. And it'll be nonsensical, be like, but he was using jujitsu. It don't matter because he was fighting people because of the karate kid. To hell with the movie. To hell. Shut up. That song is terrible. You just brought it back because I didn't remember it existed. Um, and I think Venom got a release date of July twelfth, twenty twenty four. Not um, that I'm actually, I'll probably watch Venom three because the only reason I'm watching Venom is because of Tom Hardy. But Venom two was rough. Venom two was terrible. Um, so, which is sad because Woody Harrelson is carnage should have been good. <laughs> yeah. They gave him a haircut from the after credits clip of the first movie. He didn't look like Sideshow Bob met Ronald McDonald. Good lord. Um, but, if you're ready to move on, sir, I have another top five for you, if you're ready. I was born ready for top fives. Okay. 
So, today, I need you, in no particular order, but I'll give you, like, extra bonus points if you can get the correct order. I need you to name the top five best-selling video games of all time. Wow, okay. Top five best-selling video games of all time. And this list came out no a particular month order. ago, so it's as up-to-date as possible. <sighs> wow, okay. Yes. Um... This is of all eras of gaming. Yes. All consoles. All of them. Um. Okay, so it'll be so it's a little easier with it being in no particular order to at least take guesses. Right. Um. I would say. One guess I'm going to throw out there would okay. be um, Halo 2. Halo 2. Phenomenal game. Spent many hours playing it. Um, I would also say... Rest in peace, Cortana. I would also say... Um, she's not dead. Skyrim. Skyrim. Okay. All right. There we go. That James Bond game for the N64. GoldenEye. GoldenEye. Okay, all right. Phenomenal game. Um, this is where it gets dicey. There's so many great video games out there. There are. There are. Um, and because I don't keep up with modern games in the same way, it gets dicier for me because I, I get, I start thinking about the older games. Fair. Um. Are we including, like, arcade games or games that you would purchase to play at home? All games. All Ga games? Well, no, 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 no. Games that you would have to f actually buy. Okay, gotcha. Yes. Um, Donkey Kong Country? Really? Don Donkey Kong Country? Okay. It came with, like, Donkey Kong Country came with every Super Nintendo that was purchased. It doesn't count. It's only the ones that are purchased by themselves. Like the oh, okay. Actual well, then I rescinded that. Okay, yes. I rescinded that then. Because there were a crap ton of those sold. Yes. Um. Um. The. What was. The Mario game everybody played. Super Smash Brothers. Is that the one? There. Okay. Or no, yeah. Mario Kart. Mario Ma Kart 64. Okay. Mario okay. Kart 64. That's that's the one I would okay. go with on that. Not gonna lie, I, I was gonna be a slight asshole if you had stuck with Super Smash Brothers because I'd have been like, which one? Yeah. Um, and the other one I'm gonna go with is, and you're gonna have to tell me which one this is because okay. I didn't play these games, but I know one of the Final Fantasies sold like unbelievable amounts. So like. The most popular one. Hey, that's a debate for another time. Well, I know that's but a debate But I think too, but you mean seven. Seven, yes. And you... That's a, that is a reasonable guess, 
because you've got the original 7 for the PlayStation, and then they re-released right. 7. Okay, so Final Fantasy 7. Now, keep in mind... Also, shout out uh, anybody that's listening. Uh, feel free to email, or if you have our personal phone numbers, text us. If you've played Final Fantasy, what's your favorite one? Keep in mind, um, I'm not... I have not been an avid gamer in a long time. My favorite games were things like Crash Bandicoot, Sonic the Hedgehog, uh, Mario, like the the original Super Mario World games. Um, I loved the Halo games when I was in high school, but I haven't really kept up with them. So like, I I know like, I know games like Assassin's Creed, Uncharted. I know those franchises have collectively sold very well. Indeed, I'm just basing those based off of games that I've heard the most people talk about in my life, I would guess. So, tell me Real quick, uh, going back to feeling free to email or text us, our good buddy Sid messaged me the other day, uh, and it was back for a previous episode, I don't remember which one, but it was the one where we were talking about who we would like to be Lex Luthor in the new Superman Legacy movie. Sid messaged, and he was like, Woody Harrelson. Not gonna lie, I like that. Woody Harrelson's awesome. Also, when he's bald, he's got that deranged look in his eye that I wouldn't want to mess with him. He may or may not be uh, Matthew McConaughey's brother. And he may or may not be uh, the son of the person who killed JFK. Fun facts about Woody Harrelson. Like he might actually be Matthew McConaughey's brother? Yes, because um, if you haven't seen that, both he and Matthew McConaughey found out that there is evidence that well it's it's not even a theory they know that McConaughey's mom did have a thing with Woody Harrelson's dad Woody Harrelson's dad is is at least 30 to 40 percent chance he was involved in the JFK assassination uh so but Woody Harrelson according to Matthew McConaughey really wants them to take the DNA test but Matthew McConaughey doesn't because Matthew McConaughey was raised by a wonderful man who he really loves dearly. And it's like it would change it would change some things for him, even though he would be gaining a brother. That was what they both said. They were like, interesting. Matthew McConaughey is still ruminating on whether or not he wants to do that. If you think would about it. Would it actually change anything, though? Because that guy still raised you. If you think about it. And at this point it, in your life, what, Matthew McConaughey is like, what, late 40s, mid 50s? If you, he's probably... He's got to be 50. If you think about it, if you think about it, they, 53, they kind of like, I don't know. They've got similar chins. They've, hold on, hold on. Even though their voices are different, they kind of have, these, there's things about them that are similar in the way they speak. So, one second. Okay, okay, all right. Did not be, Woody Harrelson is 62. Good Lord. Okay, so, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, you know, based off of the chin, ears, and... No, Matthew's got like a slightly thinner nose around the bridge area. Maybe. 
Maybe it's possible. Is it's possible. Anything is possible. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but going back to the Vigi games. So, just to, just for the listening audience, your yours are Halo Two, Skyrim, okay. Golden Eye, Mario Kart sixty four, Final Fantasy seven. Do you want to try to put those in order? For, for for extra points. Uh, no, because I just don't know enough about this okay. particular category. All right. To feel comfortable, so, those could all five not even be in the top five, and that would track completely. So, just outside of the top ten, number thirteen, as of May twenty twenty two, I've never played this game a day in my life, and I've never even heard of it. Terraria, $44.5 million. Crap. You mentioned games I've never heard of and never played. Yes. There are games that the little kids are playing now that Damn. I've never played before. Too like, late. We're not, we're not, we're not, we're, let's not, let's not name any of those. Let's see. Let's see. Minecraft's going to be number one. Number 12 with $47 million hairs. Pokemon Gen 1. Is that like all the... It's red, blue, and yellow. Yeah. yeah. And in certain countries, green, maybe? Number 10. With 50 million doll hairs. Overwatch. Never played it. I've heard some good things. I know people that do watch it. Number 9. 50 million plus. Mass Effect. No, <laughs> The Witcher 3, Wild Hunt. Speaking of, the second part of season three of The Witcher aired. Going to watch that as soon as I get home. It's such a shame that it's the final season of that show altogether. Number eight, with 50 million plus. I don't like this game, but it is, it, it, it's a beautiful game. Red Dead Redemption 2. Oh, good game. Number seven with 60 million plus. The Elder Scrolls V Skyrim. Oh, number seven. Number seven. Number six with 62.25 million. Kingdom Hearts 3. Fuck no. <laughs> Mario Kart 8 plus Deluxe. I don't know what makes it deluxe, but okay. Uh, okay, it is the best-selling Switch game according to Nintendo. Good for y'all. Number five with seventy-five million. Never played this game, but I've heard things. I think some people like it. PUBG. I think it's like a shooter, first-person shooter thing. I don't know. It's free to play though, so. Actually, I'm sorry. Uh, no, 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 no. It will... It went free to play, but before that, you actually had to buy the game. Number four with 82.9 million. Wii Sports. I, huh. guess, I, I guess that tracks. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I never played the Wii. I didn't like the Wii. I was like, this game system was whack. Number three. In my favorite game on this list, I played it. 
I contributed to the 175 million plus because I own two copies of it because it's existed on three different gaming consoles. Grand Theft Auto V. Yeah, I forgot about that franchise. And I want to say it, uh, Grand Theft Auto V is the best-selling console slash PC-only game of all time. We're out here. GTA, baby. Give me Grand Theft Auto VI already. I have a PS5. Give it to me. Number two. $238 million. Minecraft. Yeah. See, this is like, I, you know, again... Modern gaming is just something I don't think about. Of course, Minecraft would be up there. Number one, which has just reclaimed the top spot after many, many years. Five hundred and twenty million. This is actually kind of lackluster, in my opinion. Tetris. Tetris. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Arguably the most timeless video game ever created, Tetris sits comfortably atop the list of all-time bestsellers with 520 million copies. I'm sorry, the, the numbers, they're copies, not dollars. Uh, sold according to the Tetris company. That number includes sales across all available platforms with the majority coming from mobile. Uh, let's see here. Wow. As of 2014... 425 million paid mobile downloads for Tetris. Hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't think I... It, I've never paid for Tetris. It just came with something. I A breakdown of console would be interesting, like biggest selling N64 game, biggest selling P, PS2 game, uh, biggest selling Xbox. Those would be interesting hmm. to, to look at. Let's see here. Um... It's almost time for our break this week, sponsored by, uh, actually we have a couple of different sponsors this week. Uh, one of them I'm very proud to announce is our continuing partnership with, uh, the Smart Water. Um, no, <laughs> no. Uh, and, uh, another, another, uh, Highest selling Xbox video game of all time, Halo 2. Tracks, yes. Um, another sponsor that I'm very proud to say we have been able to uh, snag would be. We, we didn't snag Samson. Them. No. Makers of the satellite no. USB microphone. They're not paying that us. They get no free advertisement. Record. They get no free uh, advertisement. So, record no. anywhere. No. Start simple. No. Use your multi-pattern microphone. Get, we don't do free advertisement. It's iOS compatible. Here. We're not running a charity. Samsontech.com. No. <laughs> I'm just kidding. What the? F <laughs> don't worry. Uh, if you're wanting to hear our thoughts about Oppenheimer and Barbie, stay tuned uh, because that segment begins <laughs> right now. And now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, the moment that you have all no doubt been waiting for. Uh, one of the most anticipated movie reviews of the year. That's right, I'm talking about the Haunted Mansion reboot. 
Um, no. <laughs> no. Um, yesterday, um, or Friday night, Friday night, um, I had some time to kill, so I used my Regal Unlimited to partake in two films, Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot and the Australian horror movie that made some waves in uh, film uh, uh, festival circuits, uh, Talk to Me. Um, and just briefly before we dive into um, Oppenheimer and, and Barbie, um, just want to talk about uh, a couple of things I noticed. If you were interested in watching Disney's Haunted Mansion reboot, um, number one, it's not great. Um, is it family friendly? Sure. Safe to take your kids to all that kind of stuff. Uh, not too scary. You know what I mean? There's a few little moments that are supposed to be creepy. Not too bad. Um, there's not too much in the way of inappropriate language, anything like that. So you could probably take your family to it. Um, Kind of a mixed bag for me. Uh, I, you know, it has an interesting cast: uh, Rosario Dawson, um, Danny DeVito. I believe it's. Uh, I can never remember which Wilson brother is the one with the blonde hair. Is that Owen, Luke, Owen, Owen Wilson, the one from the museum movies. Yeah, Owen. Um, and. Uh, Winona Ryder's randomly in it in a blink and you'll miss a cameo uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is in it um, does how does how does okay I'm going to say one one possible pronunciation and then the other and you tell me which one you think is correct how does uh, Lakeith Stanfield pronounce his name? Is it Lakeith? Lake it's Lakeith. Yes. Okay, because that was the other option I was going to go with, Lakeith Stanfield. Okay. Um, and honestly, I had never heard either name, so it was a toss-up. Um, Lakeith Stanfield is the star of the show. He does okay with what he's given, although to be honest with you. The the movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Haunted Mansion, uh, it, it kind of it doesn't it doesn't really know what it wants to be. It doesn't know if it wants to be serious and have these serious subplots, or if it wants to be family comedy. You know, um, the only possible reason that they dumped this in late July, right after. Oppenheimer and Barbie with Mission Impossible still in theaters and all that kind of stuff a week before Ninja Turtles is because they knew it would quietly flop and get lost in the shuffle. Um, I think it made $9 million this weekend, something like that. $12 million maybe. Um, 33.3! Not bad for a worldwide release, I guess. However, it cost $150 million to make. So, that's a... Uh, uh, from what I understand, they pushed this movie back several times, um, and then they just decided to dump it into a late July release. This is clearly a movie that should have been released in October. Um, 
they like probably would have done better with it had they released it around last Halloween. Um, I don't know. I it it never quite decides what it wants to be, in my opinion. And if you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. But basically, um, Lakeith Stanfield uh, and a ragtag team of ghost hunters are um, tasked with helping Rosario Dawson and her son um, deal with the spirits that are haunting their gigantic Victorian-era home in uh, New Orleans. For some reason, Jared Leto is in this movie as the hatbox ghost. Um, he looks creepy. I'm sure he gave it his all, much like he did in Morbius. Um, but also, like in Morbius, I found myself wondering how he read the script and agreed to be in the movie. Um, so, yeah. Uh, I I'm not going to really recommend Haunted Mansion, I'm going to be honest with you. I think there's other stuff to take your kids to see. Uh, if you don't want your kids watching... Oppenheimer, or if you've got kids that aren't interested in Barbie, um, just hang on a week. Ninja Turtles is coming out. Um, save your money. Haunted Mansion will be streaming on Disney Plus in a month, would be my guess. Um, other movie, talk to me. Horror movie. Uh, sort of based on the sort of TikTok challenge culture we all live in. Um, some dumb teenagers play a dumb game and win a bunch of dumb prizes. As a result, um, they have this hand. It's never explained where this like weird mannequin-looking mummified hand comes from. Um, if if you if you hold the hand and you uh, you say uh, talk to me, then a spirit will appear. Um, uh, the spirit, if you say I invite you in, the spirit can possess you. Um, Why would you? Uh, your friends typically gather around and film you while they strap you to a chair and the spirit takes you for 60 seconds. Uh, or no, 90 seconds. 90 seconds is what it's supposed to do. Then you have to, uh, be freed by your friends by breaking the connection with the hand. Uh, or else the spirits could gain a foothold in the real world. Of course, all the kids think this is very hilarious. Um, they end up letting a younger child do it. Uh, the spirit is so brutal and violent that they cannot save the kid um, within the 90-second window, and that invites a foothold into the real world. Um, and all hell breaks loose. There are spirits. There's some twists and turns. Um, the only actor in the movie that I had ever heard of before uh, is the lady that plays the mother of the poor child who is uh, possessed, uh, and that is the great Miranda Otto um, of Lord of the Rings fame. She played Eowyn, um, and I've not seen her since. How the mighty have fallen. I've not seen her since she died in Return of the King, so it's pleasant to see she's still alive huh bro she she didn't die wow need to go back and watch return of the king yeah no uh, i thought she said i am no man killed the witch king and then a horse fell on her 
Nope. The that horse was, fell on failed. That it. was her father. It was her uncle. Her uncle. That's right. We're done. The podcast is over. We, you've lost all credibility. Look, it's been a long time since I saw I mean, Return of the King. I don't think they show her. No, because they show her in like they a, do. A, no, they uh, they wedding. show her because she ends up with um, Faramir. Faramir. I had to say yeah. you because I knew you were about to be like Boromir, no, and I was about to. Like, no, I remember this. I I read that book and I watched that movie about four thousand times. But it's been a long time. Um, been a long time because that movie is five and a half hours long. Um, but good to see Miranda Otto again. Um, look, the movie was intense. It was a movie. There were, uh, some interesting jump scares. There were a few moments of psychological dread. There was a moment in which one character... Uh, saw a demon crawling across the floor to suck on a dude's toes while he slept. Excuse me? Uh, and then it turned out the demon was actually inside that character and she was the one sucking feet. Um, I did not. Bro, there wasn't nobody in that movie he then sucking went, feet. He then went and told her best friend who was his girlfriend I woke up and she was sort of sucking my feet. Bro, there wasn't nobody. And she looked Did at her nobody. friend. Like, and then that the, the girlfriend looked at her friend like, how dare you? Bro, there, there how dare no, you? There wasn't nobody getting their feet sucked off in that movie. There they were. No, no, they weren't. They were by two different actresses. Also, Miranda Otto was in I, Frankenstein, which I Never saw. Never saw it. Uh, Annabelle Creation. I blocked that one out of my memory. But that was like one of the good ones. Because that was the one where the demon spoke the truth about what they wanted. It was we so like, evil, bro. No. It was so evil, I blocked it out. Uh, and then she will be the narrator as Eowyn in The Lord of the Rings, The War of the Rohirrim. Good for her, because I will watch that movie. Out here making Monty moves. And I've never seen any of the things she was in on TV. Okay. Oh, wait, nope. She was in The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Um. Huh. Okay. So, uh, as I will, I'll, okay, with, with the, the, the Barbie and Oppenheimer reviews, um, I'll start with Barbie to get it out of the way, because Logan, you still have not, and don't plan on watching it, right? No, I'm supposed to go watch it at some point. All right, well, I, I'm not going to deep dive into it, but I will share my thoughts and the thoughts of my wife, um, to add a female perspective as well. Um. So, this past weekend was the biggest uh, weekend of the year so far for film. Um, both Barbie and Oppenheimer were very highly anticipated films, both open to good reviews and made a lot of money. Barbie, ironically, cost more money to make than Oppenheimer, which I think is hilarious. Um, Barbie cost between $125 and $140 million to make. Oppenheimer cost right around $100 million. Uh, at last I checked, Oppenheimer's crossed 400 million worldwide. It's doing well. Third biggest opening for a Nolan film. Barbie at three quarters of a billion. Yep, Barbie is on its way. Um, both films doing well, as it's predicted. It's the most successful Warner Brothers movie of the year. Um, and I, in you know, there's been all the jokes, Barbenheimer, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and certainly, I do think it's true that lots of people saw both of these movies. Um, I do think that a lot of people bought into the phenomenon. Be interesting. You could probably never know, but it would be interesting to know how many people bought tickets for both uh, opening weekend. 
or even the same day. Um, Logan and I watched Oppenheimer the night before, and then the next day I took my wife and my mother to see Barbie. Uh, I also went back to watch Oppenheimer again, and I have tickets to watch it in 70mm IMAX at the Mall of Georgia on August 12th, because it took me two weeks out to find open seats again. Um, it's doing really well. It's gonna finish probably in that six to eight hundred million range somewhere. But and and I wouldn't be surprised if Barbie hits the billion. Uh, Barbie, okay. I am not Barbie's intended target audience. Okay, I want to get that up front, make that clear. Nobody made this movie for me. Nobody was hoping I was going to watch it. Nobody associated with the filming of this movie gives a rat's behind what I think about Barbie. However, if you listen to our podcast and you'd like to know what I think about Barbie, uh, here it goes. Barbie is a film that is ostensibly meant for little girls that is full of adult politics. That's just a fact. I'm not going to go into them. That's not the kind of podcast we run. But that's just a fact. It is a very cynical political movie. Um, there are things about Barbie that are hilarious. Um, Ryan Gosling's probably Oscar-nominated performance as Ken is a highlight of the movie. His song, I'm just Ken, anywhere else I'd be a 10. It slaps, it goes hard. Um, Margot Robbie, of course, you can't go wrong with Margot Robbie as the Barbie that we follow throughout the story. Um, the Barbie land itself, like visually looks really, I, they did a really good job with the visuals, making it actually look like you have fallen into some sort of Barbie dreamland or something. Um, there's lots of great jokes in the movie. Um, you know, the Barbies, like, walk on, like, the tops of their feet. Um, when, you know, the Barbies just sort of float everywhere. Uh, the... Whenever they eat, there's nothing that comes out of the cereal or the milk bowl or the milk carton... Uh, there's nothing in the glasses, of course. It's, it's like when you're in there, you, they're toys, right? Um, there are references in the movie to other um, Mattel products. There are meta references. Um, there's a strange thing going on where the movie doesn't... And, and the movie doesn't balance this right... But, like, there's a strange anti, like, corporate message that's going at the same time as it's sort of going, wink, wink, we're just kidding, we love marketing Mattel and selling these dolls. It's like, we hate these dolls, but we really want to sell some of them. There's some of that going on. Um, the plot itself, which I'm not going to get into too many specifics of... Honestly, after about like halfway through it, it got really boring, and a lot of it to me was not logical at all. And I and I don't mean like logical in a 
realistic sense. This is not a, it's, it's about dolls, so it's not supposed to be realistic. But within the confines of the story it's telling, within the logic that they have established for the plot, it stops to make sense in that context. Um, so I didn't really like the movie. I thought it was cynical. Um, I think a lot of people, if you've seen it, will know what I'm talking about with me, without me having to say it. Um, I don't think that any of that stuff in it in any way will be interesting to children uh, who are supposed to be the target audiences. Um, but at the same time, I... I personally wouldn't care if my kids watch this movie in terms of like, I don't think there's anything supremely inappropriate in it. I do know people who told me they took their kids to see it and they wish they hadn't because some of the jokes have adult innuendo, which is true. There are moments where the Kins have a big argument about how they're going to beat each other off. Um, I giggled at that, but at the same time, I wouldn't want my little kid running around like, I'm going to beat you off. Uh, Hollywood has an obsession with kids and sex. It's a thing. Um, but overall... In defense of that joke that I haven't seen in this movie that I have not watched, while it probably should have been done better... And not as many times because they say it throughout the movie. Good Lord. In many contexts. I will say there's always been inappropriate Inappropriate jokes in children's movies. We grew up in the time of Disney making hella inappropriate jokes in their movies. Because Hollywood has always had this thing. So it's, I, like I said, if this was my kid. Well, I don't think it's anything very like, I think they put that in there because they know the parents will laugh at it. And because the kids aren't going to watch the movies um, by themselves. And I mean. And the adults need to laugh at something in the movie to make them not want to blow their brains out. That's about the only thing I laughed at, but I think I laughed at it in a like, yep, there it is kind of thing. Not because I necessarily thought it was funny. Um, there were... There was a really weird subplot that involved the creator of Barbie, and it took shots at her... Um, like tax evasion in real life and stuff. That, that was all kind of strange. Um, one thing I like, I don't want to go too much into the the like the stuff I didn't like because that would get into the stuff I don't want to talk about on this podcast. But um, part of the corporate stuff just did, didn't really land for me because, um, in fact, the leadership of the company that makes Barbie has been represented well uh, since its inception with women heavily contributing to it and the movie makes it look like Barbie's just produced by a bunch of guys led by Will Ferrell and it makes a, it gets a lot of legs out of making jokes about that but I'm like that's not true um but, uh, I don't know. To me, the movie just was... Not, it was a movie that was marketed for kids, ostensibly to sell a bunch of Barbie dolls. But the, the director of the movie either didn't get or ignored that memo. 
that is my opinion of Barbie. Um, I think it's more like understood it full well but chose to ignore it was like oh it doesn't matter we'll make a billion dollars of this movie anyway um which they will they'll make a billion dollars anyway um because it's a powerful brand um and you got some popular people in the movie so um my advice personally while i do not agree with the people who say that there's anything inappropriate about it like i i it's rated pg-13 i don't think there's anything inappropriate about taking your kids to see the movie. Um, I think it, it, it's... In 2023, it's reasonably family-friendly. Um, but if you are the type of person who does get uncomfortable when movies that are ostensibly made for children are filled with cynical adult politics, you're probably going to feel uncomfortable watching it, whether your kid likes it or not. So you make your own decision about that. If you don't have kids, if you're not someone who played with Barbie dolls as a kid, there is nothing in this movie you're going to find entertaining. Um, there's, I, there's just not. There's, it's not funny enough to say, oh, that was hilarious. It's not entertaining enough to say, oh, I'm so glad I watched that. If you did play with Barbies, this is where I'm going to give my wife's perspective. My wife didn't love the movie. She also thought it was cynical. She also thought that there, towards the last half of the movie, there was politics that shouldn't have been in the movie. But she did say that she loved so many of the references and Easter eggs because she does love Barbie. She grew up playing with Barbies. She's watched all those like Barbie movies and car- cartoons and what animated things on Netflix and whatnot. And she said that as a Barbie fan, there are things she loved about the movie, and then there are things she was very disappointed in. Overall, she liked it more than I did, and I suspect that most people, so I'm talking to my, my ladies out there, most women, I think, even if you don't have kids, if you played with Barbies, you're going to get some enjoyment out of it that I wouldn't have gotten anyway, because as I said at the beginning, not the target audience for the movie. So, I'm not going to tell you don't watch Barbie. I'm just telling you, I didn't like it at all. My wife thought it was kind of meh, didn't love it, but got more out of it than I did. My mother said it was okay, but it was mostly kind of stupid. And I think that's just because the humor was a little bit silly, which... I mean, you could tell that from the trailer, so um, it lived up to the premise of the trailer of silly humor. Um, But yeah, so that was my thought about Barbie. That was my wife's thought, which was that it was okay, but not great. Um, And she also thought it was a little cynical. And my mom said it was okay, but kind of stupid. So, uh, that's three perspectives on Barbie. And... Moving on from Barbie to uh, the movie that I was most excited about, a movie that I know Logan did watch. I know he watched it because I was sitting next to him when we watched it together in IMAX. Our faces were not totally blown off. Um, uh, our faces uh, only mildly melted when the bomb blew up. Um, and that would be Christopher Nolan's um, genuine masterpiece, Oppenheimer. Um, 
Logan, I'll start with you because I ranted about Barbie for a while. I'll, I'll start with you before I share my thoughts on Oppenheimer. What'd you think, bro? Uh, I think it is a well-made movie about a very important time in human history. Uh, I think it does a good job of getting across all of the emotions that the people involved in building that bomb probably thought. And I like that the movie doesn't get too preachy about whether... Nolan thinks the bomb was a good idea or not. I think Killian Murphy... Killian? Cillian? Cillian? Killian? It is Killian. Uh, Mr. Murphy did a fantastic job, and I think it's a crime that this is the first time he's been the lead in a Christopher Nolan movie, considering he's been in at least three of them that I can think of. He's been in... Nope. Four. Four. Because he was in all three Dark Knight, all three Batman movies, Inception, Dunkirk, Dunkirk. So five. So this five. will be his sixth one. Wow. Yeah. And this is the first time he's gotten to be the lead, and I think it's uh, it's well deserved. I think the rest of the supporting cast did a really good job. Uh, it's definitely Robert Downey Jr.'s best movie ever. I agree. Uh, yeah. And if he doesn't at least get nominated for best supporting actor, I think it's a downright shame. I also think that Killian should be nominated for Best Actor. Yeah. Um, that being said, uh, the movie was long it's as long. balls, and I'm it. It it, it was exactly at no, at no exactly point, three hours. At no point did I think that the stuff going on in the movie wasn't important, but after the bomb goes off and the testing, and they ship it out. I don't really care about anything else that happens afterwards. Because I'm sure there are a lot of people who love history that like are interested in what happened with all of the hearings and stuff like that. I'm not. I, I don't care that he was like vilified by Robert Downey Jr.'s character. I don't care about the, the pissing match that he thought he was in or his imagined slights with... Uh, Oppenheimer, him thinking Oppenheimer told eyes, uh, Robert Einstein, Albert Einstein, <laughs> Robert Einstein, <laughs> his less successful brother. Uh, I don't care that he thinks that he turned up uh, Einstein against him. And I, honestly, the last 45 minutes or so, I think we could have gotten told in a quicker manner. I just, I didn't care about any of it. And it's, honestly, the longer it went on, the more I was just like, I really just want to go home at this point. Like, this is a phenomenal movie. It's a, it's damn near a perfect movie, but I just do not care about the stuff that's going on right now. Because if I wanted to, I, I could just read a book to find any of this stuff out. So, let's wrap it up. The dude built the atomic bomb. He was against the... After a while, he was against the research and creation of the hydrogen bomb. Uh, his boy who wanted to build the hydrogen bomb was Shady's balls like, Robert, I, I love you like a brother, but uh, they gonna let me work on my bomb, so I'ma just, you know, talk shit about you. Uh, Matt Damon was great, although I think Matt Damon's pretty great in everything he's in at this point in his career. It's just... 
if it had ended, what happened to her? <laughs> if the movie had ended like maybe forty five minutes earlier, I'd have been like, perfect, perfect movie. Also, and this is not the fault of the movie. I hyped the bombs. I hyped up the explosion in my mind, and it 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 was a phenomenal explosion. I wanted more. I was like, I mean, it looks good. It shook the seats. It lit up the theater. I wanted more, though. I wanted more. Uh, also, I wanted more in the scene where Oppenheimer's giving his speech about how, like, the Nazis will regret ever messing with us. Yay! And he sees everybody just getting melted or whatever. I'm like, you could have made that a little bit more graphic and gruesome to see because it was literally people and it looked like there was just paper mache falling off of their skin. I'm like, whack. Whack. All that to say, though, solid movie. Um, Emily Blunt, best supporting actress, maybe? She acted her face off. But besides that, I was just like, I don't, I don't really care. I don't really care. Good movie, though. I would No, I would not watch it again. Sure. Mainly just because it's it's too long. Um, I agreed with a good bit of that. Um, was it I, like the link thing? It wasn't too long for me. A lot of movies nowadays are fairly long. Um, I no, it's not the length that I have the problem with. It's the fact that everything in the last forty five minutes I just don't care yeah. about. I mean that's fair. It was, the last forty five minutes is my favorite part of the movie, but that is fair. Um, because I am someone who is very interested in the history of it, and I'm very interested in, to me, Oppenheimer's story, the most interesting part of his story is what happened after the bomb, because that's where a lot of the complexity comes in. Um, I really enjoyed, like, g overall, um, as it was probably the the like quickest, especially the second time I watched it. Um, the second time I watched it, I really noticed that three hours goes by super quick, and there's still like a 45 minutes to an hour after the bomb, but it feels almost like it snowballs, and it's the first time that Nolan's editing hasn't been an issue for me because the one I love Christopher Nolan, he's probably my favorite director. But the one thing I always say about his movies is that there's always some weird editing that happens in the back end of his movies. And I felt like this time he finally nailed that pacing. Um, it's a huge story. But I never felt... And, and there's three different timelines it's telling. You've got, like, um, Robert Downey Jr.'s character, uh, his name's Strauss. You've got Strauss's... Uh, confirmation hearing to be on um, like in the cabinet for I believe Truman or Eisenhower mm -hmm. you've got I think it's Eisenhower at that point you've got um, the storyline of like Robert that's going chronologically like you know from when he was a young man the the physicist who influenced him the seminal moments in his career that influenced him and led him to working on the Manhattan Project, his affiliation with, like, the Communist Party, which would come back to bite him. Uh, and then the other timeline is, of course, um, 
when his Q clearance was stripped sometime before Strauss's confirmation, probably five or six years prior to that. Um, and so there's a lot of moving parts, but at no point did I feel confused. We referenced Tenet earlier and how that was like this big grand operatic movie that Nolan made, but I honestly didn't understand any of it. This movie, which of course is an adaptation of, of American Prometheus, which is uh, an award-winning um, biography of a real person, J. Robert Oppenheimer, but the movie, it, it's still very much a film. And what I love about it is everyone was completely dialed into it. Like, um, and I will like apologize to Killian Murphy because for years I said his name wrong. I even at one point like would get mad and correct, correct air quotes people who called him Killian. Uh, it is actually Killian Murphy. Uh, once I heard him call himself Killian, I was like, fair enough, your name's Killian. So I misnamed Killian Murphy for a long time. He, uh, he is, uh, he's always been a good actor. I've liked everything he's done, but I did not know he was capable of being the leading man in a movie of this magnitude of this type of character. Because while Robert Oppenheimer is an incredibly complicated, flawed individual, this is like a really good character compared to like, you know, Jonathan Crane, Scarecrow, um, or some of the other, like the dude in Dunkirk who was kind of a Randy, like, you know, just kind of not like shady, not, not, not the most heroic figure in that movie. Um, but this character for me, um, was a revelation about Killian Murphy as an actor. I didn't see Peaky Blinders, the TV show he's so like well known for. Phenomenal TV um, show. Um, so like I had no frame of reference for him sort of carrying a project. I think he was great. He will certainly be nominated for best actor. Will he win? I don't know. There's other things. Um, there's a movie coming out in a few months with Anthony Hopkins playing the guy that saved a bunch of Nazi children. Um, if you've ever seen the viral video of the old man who was in a room and they're like, all the adults in this room are the children you saved like 40 years ago. And they all stand up and give him a standing ovation. Anthony Hopkins is playing that guy in a movie. I could potentially see that being competition. Um, but I do know that Killian Murphy is going to be very deserving. Robert Downey Jr. creeped me out in this movie. Um, this is the story of a guy who, and he talks about it in the movie. He's like, I did everything for my country. I did what was right. He, this is a person who was filled with righteous indignation because he spent his entire career doing what he thought was right for show, for his own power and his own self-aggrandizement. And it's like the worst kind of like icky politician, a person who feels entitled to power. I've done all these things, now give me power. And it's all based on an imaginary slight that was that comes from the fact that 
he felt left out of a conversation involving Robert Oppenheimer and Albert Einstein, of all people. And when he finds out at the end of the movie that it's like someone tells him, like, if you ever stop to think maybe they weren't even talking about you, they were talking about something more important. Not only was that really funny, but the look on of contempt on Robert Downey Jr.'s face. There's nothing more that, important than me. That truth bomb hits him upside his arrogant head, you know. Um, but the movie is... It, it's, it's incredibly well made, incredibly well acted. Um, Emily Blunt is phenomenal. She doesn't have like a ton to do in the movie. Um, with this being a very long movie, she's not in it that much. But she's so good in the movie. Um, there are so many people who are only in it briefly, but they, they, they're really good. Um, uh, the dude who detonates the bomb is the guy from Drake and Josh. Josh Beck. <laughs> Josh, yeah. Um, Josh Hartnett's in the movie. Um, I, I mean, there's so many good... Rami Malek, who comes in at the end and gives that awesome testimony against Robert Downey Jr.'s character. The um, dude that played uh, Ratcatcher in the Suicide Squad. Yeah, David Dis- Dismulsion is great in the movie. He's, he's good in everything. He's another one who it's like... Uh, he was really good in that movie um, earlier this year, the horror movie, his name I've already forgotten. Um, God, what was that movie? I, re- I talked about it on here. Did um, I, see it? I can't remember if you did or not. It was. What it was, was it about. Oh man, it was about the uh, the monster that had to be defeated by light. Um, I did not see that. Wow, it it had. Um, and I can't think of the actress's name either. Anyways, horror movie that came out this year with David Demolition. Look it up. It was good. Um, but. It has it has the girl from um, Yellow Jackets in it. That's that's where I'm thinking of her from. I really like the movie overall. Like I, I this is my favorite movie of the year so far. I would say, um, probably gonna end up being my favorite movie of the year. It's the Boogeyman. Yes, yes, okay. he was in the Boogeyman. Um, I probably would say this is my third favorite Nolan film of all time. Um, I actually really enjoyed the getting to see just a little bit of what happened after the bomb with, I, I love how Oppenheimer is like Matt Damon, who is great in the movie is is packing everything up to take the bomb off and and he's like should I come with you to Washington and Matt Damon's just like what for it's like we don't need you anymore thanks for your service to your country dude you know um I like that we see Oppenheimer's mental state one thing that they did so well in this movie that Nolan did was like Oppenheimer can like look at something and he gets glimpses of the subatomic world, and you kind of see the the little the, the quantum world a little bit through his eyes, and that's really cool. Um, there's a couple of uh, odd moments in the movie um, that 
are of questionable historical reality. Um, uh, one of my favorite framing devices of this movie is the conversation that Oppenheimer has with Einstein. It's certainly true these two men knew each other well. Um, it is true, uh, from what I understand, it is true that there may have been some discussions between Oppenheimer and Einstein that Strauss was mad about. But the specific meeting, I don't believe, was... I think some of that, like what was said and all that, was dramatized. But I thought that there's a... there's a, Visually, there's some terrifying images in this movie, and one of them is Oppenheimer thinking about what would happen if his bomb or a bigger bomb later on were to ignite the atmosphere and the world were to literally catch on fire. Um, visually, that was a stunning image. Um, the explosion, it looks great. It does light up the screen. One thing about it that was slightly underwhelming is just, it, it for effect, it ironically cuts sound, and I think that it cuts, it holds the silence slightly too long, because when it comes back with that like, like reverberation of like the the shock wave hitting the different like viewing sites, I think that didn't have quite the impact that they were hoping it would, just because they held the silence a little too long. Um, the explosion itself is like looking at a bunch of hellfire and brimstone, <laughs> uh, but I agree with Logan. It's it. We live in a world where we have seen crazier things happen, uh, on, you know, than an atomic bomb. <laughs> so, it 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 is treated with the reverence it should be treated with by Nolan. It's just we live in a world where we have seen crazier things. So I think it. It's not as earth-shattering to look at as I was thinking it was going to be, but certainly watching it was the dramatic climax of the film. Um, there are lots of things about this movie that uh, I would like to know more about. The book, American Prometheus, I don't know if I'll ever read it or not, but I thought about it because there are certain elements of it that would provide more clarification on certain things. One of them is, um, according to Oppenheimer's grandson, there's a scene towards the beginning of the movie involving uh, an apple. Um, and if you see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. And his grandson is pretty vehement that that didn't actually happen. And he thinks it makes his grandfather look bad. And, and I understand. He, he, he liked the movie overall, but he thought that moment was it not fair for Nolan to, to present it that way because in the book, American Prometheus, that Nolan uh, based this film on, um, it basically says some people heard this story uh, of Oppenheimer and this incident involving the apple and all of that. I do like how the movie does not take sides, like Logan said. It, it helps you to understand why people would like it gives you the arguments for the need for the bomb and it gives you the arguments about like why you wouldn't want to use these weapons but nolan is so great about letting the audience decide what a film means 
And I think he continued to do that um, in this movie especially. And that made for a stronger film. It would not have been as strong a film, in my opinion, if Nolan had been obviously anti-bomb or obviously pro-bomb. I think that would have cheapened the impact of the film overall. Um, I think the most ironic thing is going to be Robert Downey Jr., who gave the performance of career in this movie, probably being nominated against Ryan Gosling for Best Supporting Actor for their respective works in Oppenheimer and Barbie. And so we'll get the, the Barbenheimer meme will be a gift that keeps on giving into next year. Uh, I'm glad overall for the box office that both films did well to the extent that these films who are very, very different boosted each other's ticket sales. That's awesome too. I love all the memes, love all the shirts. Um, Oppenheimer is my favorite movie of 2023 so far and while there are some great movies coming down the pike, really excited about Dune Part 2, looking forward to Haunting in Venice. Um, I, I think it was going to be tough for me to top that. Um, looking forward to actually seeing it in 70 millimeter IMAX um, in a couple of weeks with my wife. That's what she, one thing she wanted for uh, her, uh, for our wedding anniversary. We're coming up on a year of being married. She really wanted to see it in the true 70 millimeter IMAX format, so we had to wait a couple of weeks to do that. So she's not seen the film yet. Really looking forward to her getting a chance to see it. So, all that to say, definitely go see Oppenheimer. Um, it is, it's phenomenal. Um, Barbie, I'm going to say case by case basis. If you listen to what I said and you're like, yeah, I don't care about anything he's saying, definitely got to watch Barbie, then go check it out. Haunted Mansion, I don't, I, I, I say wait until it comes on Disney Plus. Talk to me, I say wait until it comes on Netflix or HBO Max or something. Um, not that it's a bad movie, but it's not anything super special. And that's about all I got. That's, that's Barbenheimer. That's, those were my thoughts. Um, yeah, about, that about sums it up for me, Logan. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say. Uh, I'll report back on what I think about Barbie whenever I see it said all I need to say about Oppenheimer and I will probably never watch Haunted Mansion and whatever the hell that other movie was called. Speaking of movies that Logan will probably never watch, next week I'm going to be watching The Meg 2. Definitely not um, watching that. And I will watch TMNT, which he might watch. Nope. Um, I will be watching both of those, so when we have another review I will be sure to include my thoughts on TMNT and the Meg to the trench. There's not another movie I'm interested in watching coming out until ba -ba 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 -ba. Uh, The Last Voyage of the Demeter which is in 12 days. And then Blue Beetle after that. And that's about it. That's about it, yeah. Um, so stay tuned. Um, 
Lots oh, of stuff coming out. Oh, oh well, we've got the 10th anniversary of Sharknado. But more importantly than all that, they finally released a trailer for Saw 10. So, I didn't see that. That's what I'm looking forward to. They brought back Amanda. Who knows? We might see Costas Mandalore as well. I'm assuming this will be the last one because they've run out of gimmicks now. Fam. Because if it makes money, it can't be the last one. Jigsaw was like a midquel slash sequel. Um, the Chris Rock flop, which they called Spiral, I think. I already forgot all about Plus that. Was the Spiral from the Book of Saw? That's a sequel about a copycat, and that did so poorly. We never gonna see how that Facts. finishes. Uh, now they're just like, let's just do a midquel, guys, and bring back everyone. So, gonna watch it. I promise you, if this movie makes money, they'll keep making them. Um, and honestly, like... I hope for got, Tobin Bell's grandkids, it makes money. I mean, you've got Carrie Ellis, so... How about you do the, the logical thing and just make a movie about him continuing John's work? Because he was the true successor to the throne. My, my assumption for why that's never happened is because Carrie Ellis said no. He can come back for various psych movies, which were all phenomenal. They not making The Princess Bride 2. He ain't got nothing else to do. <laughs> the Princess Bride 2. Electric Boogaloo. Oh, hell no. All right. Well, that's that wraps it up. Uh, stay tuned. Not sure when the next episode will be, but thank you to everyone who has supported us for lo these two years. Uh, and... Uh, we will be back at some point. Got to be watching a lot of stuff going forward. So once we have some things to review, we'll be sure to throw those thoughts out there at you. Um, be sure to like, comment, share, and subscribe, all that good stuff. Send the feedback to us, lnjpod at gmail.com. Uh, be safe. All the teachers, students out there, parents. Hope you have a smooth transition back to school, uh, and we will holler at you guys next time. I'm just can't no. anywhere else I'd be attending. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, at least I didn't sing that other viral song right now. <laughs>